Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. Thank you for joining us for the 48th episode of the show. I'm your host, Liam Edwards, and joining me this week to be shipped off to a deserted place with just eight games to play for the rest of their life is a guest that has an incredible over half a billion Vine Loops, which is a number I can't even wrap my head around. He's a voice actor and is well known for his incredible voice talents, and you but you probably know him best for appearing periodically either in your Twitter or Tumblr feeds with his incredible vine skits that cover everything from video game tropes, anime tropes, talking animals, mobsters, and even TV shows. Since Vine's demise earlier this year, he's moved over to YouTube where he still uploads short quickfire skits alongside videos all about Japanese food, which I, as someone who lives in Japan, I really do enjoy, uh, mm. anime figures, and even Let's Plays. He makes some of my favorite videos on the internet, and I can't, I hope I pronounce his name correctly. I do apologize. <laughs> my guest this week is Mr. Sungwon Cho, aka yep, Sungwon Cho. Yeah, aka Mr. ProZD. Yes, Sungwon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, I thought the concept sounded fun, and so I was like, yeah, I'm on board. Excellent. That sounds good. And I mean, I will admit, for the past few days since we've been speaking, uh, when I first got in contact with you, I've been binge-watching your Vines again. Oh, the okay. The, the compilations that have been uploaded to the internet and going through some of your videos. And I have to admit, man, some of that is such gold to me. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. It's, Let's talk then a little bit first about how you sort of then got into doing like the whole Vine thing and specifically about video games and anime, which is like what people most know you about. Um, did mm. it, was it just something you sort of experimented with or did you have like an idea that you were like, this is going to work and people are going to You mean getting it? into Vine in general? Like getting into the, the sort of, I mean, I guess making videos because mm. I guess it started with Vine, but now you're on YouTube. But the whole mm. sort of just making like very quick fire sketches about you know, typical video game tropes or typical anime tropes. Right. Um, I started on, I mean, I was on YouTube for a long time, but my, my big, I guess, big start was on Tumblr where I posted um, audio clips and voice acting clips. Okay. And uh, I never really even thought about doing, like, short videos or skits or Vines or anything because I thought Vine was, frankly, kind of an intimidating platform because I was like, I could never do that. I could never do, like, a short video, like, tell a punchline like that quickly or whatever um <laughs> oh. and so i um i i think it was really just on a whim like um i just decided to do it and the first couple of vines were like pretty like straightforward and didn't have me in them but then i did one where i was in it that one took off and then it kind of just went from there um and so, yeah, it was pretty much just on a whim. And I guess I've just kept going since then. It's incredible because I, I remember how I sort of got into watching them was, I think, how most people was they got retweeted thousands of times on Twitter. And I mm. every now and again, I would recognize your face and I'd be like, oh, it's that guy who makes like stuff about video games. And because they were only, what, 10 to 15 seconds long, just pressed it and like, oh, man, this is so good. And then looking mm -hmm. for more and more stuff. Um was it like a sort of thing that just happened instantaneously or did you sort of see that progressive, uh, wow, this one got a hundred retweets, this one got a thousand and then, oh, now I'm at like a hundred thousand followers on all these social media platforms. Mm. Um, in terms of the videos on Tumblr, I'd already had kind of like a fairly sizable following. Okay. Like, I don't remember exactly how many there were at the time, but maybe like. 
I don't know if it was a hundred thousand, but some like several something thousand anyway. And so I didn't just start Vine from kind of like nothing. And I think that helped a lot because I don't think the Vines would have gotten nearly as much attention if I didn't have an existing audience. I think yeah. having that audience was what kind of launched my sort of Vines because, you know, if you have an existing audience, you could, they share that and that gets shared and gets shared. And so... But then, from that point on, it got... I mean, I will, I will say that my Vine uh, career, I guess, like was immediately a lot more loops than like a regular person would have if they didn't have an existing audience. Yeah. But then the growth, the growth did grow pretty quickly from there. Um, like, my audience grew on Vine pretty fast. And then from there, after Vine, well, then I started posting them on Twitter, and then Twitter started to grow, and then I started posting them on YouTube, and YouTube started to grow. And then after Vine was gone, I exclusively did, like, YouTube and Twitter, and then now those have both gone up quite a bit, um, I think because just the – since they're not on Vine anymore – uh, yeah. Or since I don't do Vine anymore, now those are like the and they, and I have longer skits now, and so I think that might be part of the reason why that now, because um, I used to just post like the reuploads basically to those. Okay. Sites, yeah. but, but now I post like original skits for those um, two platforms. So yeah, and it's been it's been a pretty crazy ride, I guess. But <laughs> uh, yeah. I was yeah, but it hasn't been. I, mean, I guess it's been pretty. It's faster than I anticipated. I'll say. It's funny because the one thing I did want to ask you, as someone who was mostly known for doing vines that was spreading like wildfire through t- Twitter and Tumblr and stuff like that, um, when you found out that like Vine was shutting down, mm. were you initially worried or were you like, ah, oh, it's okay. I'll just I've got YouTube and I've got Tumblr and I've got Twitter and or was this like oh actually crap now i need to really think about either changing the way i do things or making it more custom to stuff like youtube like longer right. videos for example i wasn't worried because i had existing audiences elsewhere um i was more concerned for other people on vine who didn't because i really liked their stuff um and i know some of them i don't think had like a youtube following or a tumblr or a twitter following outside of vine yeah um but for me personally i was okay i mean i guess i, I was more just disappointed because i thought that platform was really fun not just for my content but for everyone's content on there um as ter- in terms of like rethinking my uh creative output yeah, I guess it was like instead of worrying about it, I was like, well, now I guess I can do longer than seven seconds. You know, I guess I can. <laughs> and I feel like Vine was kind of like almost like a training ground for like um, kind of preparing me for because it really has helped me kind of condense my writing and cutting out fluff because I think fluff and like bad pacing can really bring down a sketch. Um, and I'm not saying people should only make short, short videos like I do, but I can convey my ideas in a more succinct way that I think helps the joke and the punchline more. And so even though my videos are longer now, but I still kind of, I feel like I still maintain sort of the, I guess, spirit of Vine, I guess. So that's what I try to do. 
Um, but yeah, I yeah, wasn't. They're still, really they're still relatively short. I mean, everyone. Right, they are short. Yeah. Everyone in the YouTube community, example, at go, hops on about like videos that are under ten minutes long are not going to be as successful as ones over ten minutes long because of the way the mm. platform works in terms of advertising. Right. But I guess, <laughs> I mean, you'd have to make what like a like fifty videos <laughs> to fit into like a ten minute space to even warrant yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, um, still carries that- on that spirit. Right. Yeah, and the algorithm is very weird. Um, I am actually doing fine with my channel uh, because I have a mix of different types of videos. And actually, the because the short videos get a lot of views, that it actually they actually do pretty well. And I have longer videos where I do other stuff. So uh, yeah, my channel is doing fine. I don't I don't ever feel the need to like hit a ten minute mark. I just kind of have always done what I want. It's always been my rule of thumb with. Yeah, the internet is I just do what I like to do, and that's a good rule to live by. (laughs) Yeah, so makes me makes me happier anyway. I imagine that sort of forcing forcing your content past a certain point just to meet uh, maybe an insignificant marker. um, Mm. It would be a little deconstructive to your when you're writing and stuff like that. Um, But going back to your vines, then um, and. There are a couple of years where they were going. What was like the craziest? I don't know. Like when you talk about video games and being a fan of video games and anime and stuff like that, what is like the craziest interactions you've had through Twitter due to making stuff like that? Have you had like game directors commenting on stuff or um, I don't know, voice actors, other voice actors mm. in video games that you've like woken up one morning, picked up your phone, and you're like, "What? Nolan North is retweeting this or something like oh, that?" Oh yeah. Um, let's see what comes to mind. Okay, one thing that does come to mind, which I still think is great, is um, we're talking about just the short videos, not just just the binds exclusively, or any of the short. Oh, videos. just any anything you've ever okay. made. Yeah. So I I made a video that was like this was a it was a parody. It was a Zootopia like five horrible mistakes in Zootopia, um, which was tongue in cheek because I was making fun of those videos that like um will take a movie and just point out the most petty like pointless mistakes and try to like oh this movie sucks or whatever or this movie has so many mistakes in it um and so i did one where it was just very inconsequential just you know i was like oh zootopia has animals in it like that was an example of a, of a you know, animals can't talk anyway one of the directors of the movie uh retweeted it um and he uh in tongue-in-cheek i, th- I forget what he said but was something he said something like oh you know oh we messed up or something like that and uh, that was very kind of like a crazy because I love I love that movie to bits. And so see, that was... seeing that one of the directors saw that video, I was a little like, oh god, because you know I'm like <laughs> I'm jokingly, very obviously jokingly, but you know like uh, I'm playing a character in it, but you know shitting or sorry, can I swear on this or not? Yes, absolutely, I, go ahead. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, I was told I was just shitting on the movie, um, but I it was cool. It was cool to see that it got that kind of far around and shared around yeah yeah it must be weird seeing sometimes like oh wow that person's watched it or that person's retweeted it um but like for you personally is there like a few that stand out as your favorites um Mm. i know you're you're huge into video games and huge into anime and they they both obviously maybe appeal to a middle audience that likes both but also two very different sides of fandom as well but do you have like a personal few favorites of yours because there are a few that stick in my mind that i like constantly rewatch because i find them hilarious i 
Not, I actually don't really, because I don't really rewatch them that much, or at all, really. Like, once I make it, I'll watch it maybe a couple times that day, and I'm usually proud of it. But then I'm kind of, and so what's funny is, like, someone will, like, quote one to me, and I'll be like, uh, oh, yeah, that one. Or, oh, yeah. I mean, there are a couple that have been quoted to me so many times that I'm like, okay, I remember that one. But sometimes <laughs> someone will quote one where I'm like, oh, I that. Oh, yeah, 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 that one. Um, okay. I don't so know. What which, are some which, that you like? Oh, the ones I like. Um, so the one, my favorite one that always sticks out to me is the anime tic-tac-toe uh, one. Ah, yeah, people really like that one. Because that, that, when I saw that, that was like, this is incredible. Like, I find it so funny. It's so good at hitting on those anime tropes in such a unique way. That's one that sticks out to me. Um, I really enjoy the... <laughs> the the what is the video game series the king dragon cannon king drag oh yeah 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 right. yeah the one where he's he comes in and he's rapping and he's he's just ah uh, okay the hip hop one I really <laughs> like that one that one did not get as much attention as some of the other king dragon stuff but I think I personally really like that one because I think that the, I liked I really enjoyed writing that stupid rap and I personally thought it came and people liked it but I I think it came together just like how I wanted it to. That's good. And I just, there's some of them, are, they're funny in a way that obviously they're jokes and they're funny, but they're also funny because, yes, damn, this has happened to me so many times. So, like the uh, Fire Emblem save one. Mm, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, wait a second. Did I save? Like, I'm just like, yeah. yes, I've done that like a thousand times, like a hundred thousand times while playing video games that um, it's just inconsequentially funny because of that, but also because of the joke. And uh, yeah. they're the ones that kind of stick out to me. But you obviously have done other stuff like like the mobster stuff. And then mm. you, you've done other like some like American TV shows like Chopped and stuff, which is yeah. stuff that maybe as a, a, like a Brit who especially lives in like <laughs> Japan doesn't quite hit on. But your voice uh, and the way like especially like the mobster one where it's like that sounds so Traditionally, to me, it's stereotypical mobster, like that. It can be funny, even though I don't quite under get understand the references in in a sense. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, talking about your voice, then, um, you have lent your voice to some video games and some stuff right. as well. How, how yeah. did you get into the voice acting then, or when was it you realized that you liked doing voices? Mm. Um, well, I will say that uh, I liked doing voices. Um, pretty early on, like maybe 14, 15, but I, I started to get into voice acting. Um, I think the first time I it really, because I, I think there's a difference between doing voices and doing voice acting, because some people think voices, like, you know, you can just do a bunch of silly voices, but yeah. I think the acting is what is most important. And so that really hit me, um, I was probably like 16, and I was doing a radio play for a friend. Like he wrote the radio play, I did like a voice in it. And before that, I had done some with him, um, but in this one particular play, I found myself really getting into the character and found myself, like, not even thinking of it as, like, um, doing a voice, but just, like, I am the guy. And so that sort of moment, I was like, oh, I really like acting. And it's, and I wasn't even worrying about, like, oh, does the voice sound um, you know, like goofy enough, or and it wasn't even a goofy voice, but anyway, uh, you, you become sort of um, sucked into the character. And so from that point, I was interested, but I wasn't 
good. <laughs> at, at least not nearly close to where I'm at now. Not that I'm saying I'm amazing now, but I'm at a point now where I can like you know be hired and I'm always trying to improve. I would say like um, 2000, maybe 12. I uh, sat down and was like, okay, because I just graduated college and I was like, I have to, if I'm gonna go for this, I need to take it seriously. And yeah. so what I did was I started a Tumblr, and I started practicing and posting voice acting clips once every day. Uh, and that was something I had never really done before. Before I'd like made my own YouTube videos, but those were like, you know, weeks in between. But this was a way where I could actually sit down, dedicate myself to this, and I improved very quickly because I was doing it every single day. Um, and even now I try to stick to posting at least some kind of content once a day. Like since then I have not really stopped with the exception of, like, vacations or whatever. Um, but I have kind of stuck to that schedule since because I'm kind of addicted to it now. Uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a discipline where, like, if I don't do it, I feel like I'm incomplete. And I think that is <laughs> maybe maybe part of what I can attribute to my quote-unquote success is I have not given up because I think there were plenty of times where I could have been like, oh, no one's listening. Um, so I should just, uh, stop, but I just kept going and then eventually, um, found an audience. Not that I was doing it for finding an audience, but, um, you know, it can be discouraging if you feel like, you know, no one is paying attention to you. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I found myself more, it was more gratifying just to do it. And I think that's important is if you're going to do something, you need to be something you enjoy, even if no one is paying attention to you, because if you try to do it for just the... Um, attention, you're going to be miserable. Um, and uh, going back to what you're saying about voiceover, so after, because I started doing that, after I started doing that and like started posting regularly, I started to get attention. Um, and then I got cast in a game. And then from that point, you know, you get referred to other directors and, you know, people see your work and they go, oh, you know, I want to hire this guy. And so it's kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. Uh, was it always easy to sort of obviously voice acting is you can either do like cartoons or uh, tv shows and then video games being probably one of the most popular ones uh, anime mm. as well was it always easier to do to practice but then look reference something that you know so much about already that is the basically where someone who is an aspiring voice actor wants to be. So making jokes about video games, making jokes about anime, they just made the most sense. Or sorry, what, what I'm not, I'm not sure what exactly you're asking. So, uh, when you started uh doing these daily videos, uh um, Yes, yeah. Was it easier to be like, well, if I'm going to do voice clips, I might as well do it about the things I enjoy anyway. Oh, okay. Um well, the video clips were not daily. They were kind of included in like the because I was doing mainly actually before Vine audio clips, um, and a lot of those were like uh, my interpretations of different video game characters who didn't have voices, like there's Ace Attorney, um, or like um, things like that. But yeah, I've, um, I guess it did have a factor like in what I decided to post. Yeah. Um, because uh, when you're starting out on the internet. Um, as much as as lovely as it would be for people to you know immediately latch onto your original characters or original stuff, if they have no way of finding it, I mean, there's 
you don't you, there's nothing you can do right yeah. so if you pick things that um and but the thing is i wasn't like consciously like i need to get the hits you know i need to <laughs> and I, I mean if i mean thinking about it you know ace attorney like character voice acting clips that's not like that's not going to skyrocket you to start. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to. So I was never really like, I got to do this thing. Because, you know, there were things like um, there's something called Homestuck that got really popular. I never read it. And so I never did anything really with it. Um, there was, um, uh, you know, the game Undertale was became very popular yes. a couple of years ago. And uh, I have not done any voices acting for that because I didn't play it for the longest time. And I know that. A lot of other voice actors on Tumblr were doing them, but I was like, well, I haven't played it, so I'm not going to do it just because that's always been, like I said before, I do what I want to do. Um, and what I actually enjoyed doing was doing these voice acting clips because I love Ace Attorney. I love, like, Professor Layton. I love these visual novel games. And, and doing my interpretations of those characters was really fun for me because it was actually good practice because there is no voice to copy it is a character you have to kind of bring to life. Um, and then going to the videos, um, whatever I post is just like, that's just either, that's something rolling around in my head. Like if I'm playing a game and I get particularly frustrated with something or yeah. notice something, I'm like, oh gosh, that could be a fun video. So um, it's always it's kind been of a very just, natural sort of process. Then. Yeah, that's always kind of how it's been for me is very natural, like, I've never worried about, like, oh, no, like, will this get... Sometimes I'll be surprised, too, because, like, I'll I'll make a video. I'm like, I don't think this will get that much attention. And then it'll... And one of them is, like, the biggest, most popular videos on my channel, which is, like, um, there was one I did where, like, the villain... Oh, what was it? He only does good things when he's trying to be a villain or whatever. And that oh, got... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that sewer, got a, the sewer pipe one. <laughs> right, right, right. And that got a huge reaction that I was not... I, th- I was like, this isn't. This is just like a goofy skit that I, you know, am doing. But that got a huge reaction. I don't know. It, it you can never tell. Like I did a video where I like sang take take on me, but like try to do the high notes um, badly, and uh, that has been. You never know. I guess what's gonna become big <laughs> and what's not. So it's really there's really no use worrying about it because you never know on the internet. Excellent. Well. Considering we are talking about video games, you are here to talk about the rest of this podcast, specifically about video games, and That's more right. specifically about eight games that you have chosen to take with you to a deserted island. So I think it's about time that we start talking about these games and jump into your first one. So yes. why don't we listen to some excellent, truly excellent music from the one and only Nobu Imatsu, and let's Not just dive straight, straight into someone's final games. <laughs>
So kicking off your list today, someone, is a game that was de- originally developed by Square. It was the last of the PlayStation-era Final Fantasies, which is some of the most uh, defining time for Square Enix. I think a lot of people can agree. Um, back in the early 2000s and the late 90s with Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII, there then came this game uh, that was directed by uh, Hiroyuki Itoi, uh, produced by Sakaguchi himself with a bit of a more standoff role. Um, the music obviously composed by the wonderful Mr. Uematsu-san. Um, it was released back in July of 2000 for the PlayStation. It is the one and only Final Fantasy IX. The so best what? Final Fantasy. Oh, okay, so we should. I think that's where we should start. <laughs> mm, I did okay. wonder. So is this your f- favorite Final Fantasy? Absolutely, my favorite. Um, I think it is a uh, wonderful cast of characters. I think the music is amazing. Uh, unfortunately, I think Umatsu got burned out after this game because it's such a huge soundtrack. Because after this, he he didn't do him. Yeah, he didn't do him like like a full soundtracks after that for Final Fantasy. And I think I read somewhere where he was burned out. But that's too bad because the music in the game is phenomenal. Um, I love, I think the only issue I might have with it is the story structure is a little messy, but the characters are so good that I don't mind that as much. Um, And the uh, battle system with the, like, learning skills from weapons and all that sort of, it's so purely enjoyable for me um, that I've played that game through in my lifetime maybe four or five times, uh, and I could easily keep playing it over and over um for sure it's funny it's um, great it, oh, go ahead the final fantasy series obviously is a hotly contested thing and everyone has their favorites but more specifically the playstation final fantasies seven mm. being constantly recounted with every article ever written about it or anything as one of the most genre defining uh games of all time and being this mm. jrpg basically almost boost into the West. Uh, we oh, had Final Fantasy yeah. VI, um, which for some people, as Final Fantasy III in America, did very well and is some people's favorites. Um, but the 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 7, 8, and 9, the PlayStation-era Final Fantasies, are such... Everyone has their favorite and everyone constantly battles between, I think, 7 and 9 to be the favorite and 8 always seems to be a little bit of the black sheep of the family. Yeah, I haven't three. played 8, actually. Yeah. Okay, um, so what do you? Why is it that nine stands out above, say, seven, or mm. then going on what came after, which was ten, which was also one of the most praised uh, in the series? I mean, I could give my hot takes on all the Final Fantasies I've played, but I will say that um, something about nine, I really like seven a lot. Actually, that's also one of my favorite games. Um, but nine, something about there's like this sense of sort of joy in it. And there's also a lot of improvements, I think. Well, maybe not necessarily improvements in the gameplay, but I guess there's just different things about it. Like, like I mentioned, the weapon skill thing, I think, is ingenious. Um, I love the idea of, like, your equipment is not totally useless once you get better equipment. Like, you can get abilities from it permanently if you take the time to learn them. Um, and I love that system. Uh, but, yeah, I guess just that sort of sense of i don't know it's a it's a much brighter atmosphere than seven which i love seven's atmosphere um but nine has like a i think like a funnier sense of humor and i uh think the characters are just very endearing um 
and going and thinking of it from a deserted island perspective like there are things in that game like side quests and stuff that like if i was going to be stuck with like eight games for the rest of my life there's stuff in that game that i want to like master but like i would need some time to master Um, what is what is the kind of stuff that you'd be spending your time mastering all right well there's one infamous uh side quest where you have to beat the game in a something ridiculous like 10 hours 12 hours it's a you know it's a full jrpg so it's normally like many more hours than that yeah but if you if you want to get steiner who's a character steiner's like best weapon you have to beat the game in like 10 or 12 hours and get to like the final stage and there's a hidden boss you have to beat and if you beat that boss you can get the weapon and i would never do it because i love the game too much to like rush through it because you have to like you know, I think you almost have to, like, skip all the cutscenes, like, somehow, or, like... Anyway, it's a speed run basically. And I'm not a speedrunner. But if I am stuck with the same eight games forever, I'd try it. I would practice. I mean, what am I you'd else going to do? You'd have a lot of time, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Um, so there's that, and there's, like, um, there's the Tetra Master, I think, the card game, which is kind of broken. But if I'm going to have some time on my hands i try to get every card in that which i tried to do as a youngster but it was really hard um there's like a secret boss i never did i beat it no i don't think i ever beat it there's a secret boss i never beat um so there's like lots of things in that game that i could strive for and it would take a while and also i love the game so much and it's such a long game that you know, even if I played it through, and I have played it through several times, I'm just, like, itching, like, you know, oh, I want to play that again. I just want to experience those moments, those character yeah. moments again. Yeah. Um. So, you originally played it on the PlayStation. Um. Mm. Is there, like, a favorite platform you have it on now? Because you can play it on uh, PlayStation Vita, the PSP. I know you use the PSP and in a lot of your videos as well. Mm, uh, I don't yeah. know if that's out of fondness or just for comedy's sake. Um. Do you have like a favorite? Do you like playing it portable, or would you rather just have it on a TV on the island to play? Um, I would rather have it on a TV. Um, speaking of the PSP, I've played like two games on that, and I I I got that from my I bought that from my brother for very cheap, and I have not I like almost <laughs> never used it. Not because I don't like it, but there's just I just I have used it more as a fake phone, phone. than I have as a as a game console. Um, but anyway, uh, on a TV, just because I played it on PS1, I have a PS2 now, uh, you know, just play it on there. That's how I've always, I know it's, there's like, um, there's like a PC Reeve, like a, like a port or something, but um, nah, just give me a PS2 and I'll be happy. Well, the, you can have the PS2, that's for sure. Um, just to, before we move on from Final Fantasy IX, um, I'm interested to know what you think of the characters. I know you said you have a, an affectionate fondness for characters. Like, I feel like, for me personally, Final Fantasy IX has both one of my favorite characters in the whole of Final Fantasy and also mm. one of my most disliked characters. Oh, um, interesting. So I really, really dislike Zidane. Oh, I don't. Oh my. I don't like Zidane at all. Okay, um, okay. But I love, and I think you could probably guess who it is, um, most people's favorite character from this game, which is Vivi. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Such a Vivi's badass. Great. Such a mm. badass. Um, compared to other Final Fantasy ca- um, series and uh, games in the series and their characters, uh, obviously we have mm. Final Fantasy VII is such an iconic game with iconic characters. And then ten, I think, you know, Tidus and Yuna, very 
iconic. Um, what is mm. it specifically about the Final Fantasy IX cast that sticks out to you? I know you said the mm. game was a lot more brighter uh, compared to other games. Are the characters mm. as well, or was it just the, something a little more that was different about those characters? First of all, I'm curious what you don't like about Zidane. I'm just curious. Ah, uh, I don't know. He, he um, he always seems a bit weirdly ambiguous. Like I, I remember reading mm. an article once uh, by uh, Ito-san, who is the director of the game, that he wanted to make Zidane like kind of flirtatious and kind of like mm. a rogue in a way. And I yeah. feel like elements of that made it into the game, which is why mm. sometimes Zidane's dialogue is kind of really weird to me. Oh, okay. And okay. Um, it just then doesn't sit right with this almost really short, in stature, kind of cat-looking guy that mm. is kind of boring to me. Um, okay, okay. Compared to the other characters like Steiner and Vivi and... Um, I don't know, just I, as a main character in a Final Fantasy game, obviously Cloud has his problems and Tidus yeah. has his problems and all this. I just, I just don't like Zidane very much. Okay, that's fair. I actually really like Zidane a lot. Um, okay, I think he's a. I think he's a funny. My apologies. <laughs> oh no, I I don't care. Um, I I I like hearing, even if someone disagrees with me, I like hearing like their you know reasoning for it. Um, because I think it's interesting. I don't I don't need I don't need like a uh, people to all parrot back you know the same opinions I have. I like Zidane. I actually like his sense of humor. Um, I guess I can agree that maybe there's some inconsistencies with his character later on, um, as he. But I think he, at least to me, feels relatable. Um, and I was, I liked his interactions with um, Garnet and um, uh, Steiner and BB and all that. I, I, I personally really enjoyed it. And I, I like, going back to your question about the characters, I really like, well, most of them, how they all interact with each other, how their different interactions are. Like Zidane's kind of like BB's big brother. And like yeah. Zidane and Garnet have their own flirtatious vibe, and Steiner and Zidane have kind of like that, you know, animosity. Um, and so, I mean, you have some weaker characters. Like I don't, I don't think Amaranth's a very good character, but um, I think like especially the main four, I think, have a very fun sort of dynamic. Um, I like that their personalities are all pretty well defined, and like um, I think the localization definitely improved a lot from seven because i think there's some weird translation stuff in seven that didn't quite work and some i think that one could benefit from a and did they improve the script in the remake not remake but the later ports or is it the same script no it's the same i think it's the same okay um yeah well nine i think has i think a more to me, anyway, a more polished script and localization. And so I think it comes out in the characters' dialogue and stuff. And I think just the designs, too. I just think the designs are so fun. Um, I don't know. I And I think probably there's some nostalgia here, too. But no, that's not necessarily true. Because I played 10. I'm not nearly as attached to 10 as I am to 9. Actually, I don't really like 10 <laughs> that much, to be honest. <laughs> 10 is okay to me. Um but nothing has really stuck with me as like nine, um, with the exception of seven. So you you do like seven though? Oh yeah, I do really like seven a lot. Okay, so but nine sticks out more. And for this, I, I as you said, you have there's challenges in the game that are going to consume your time anyway. And uh, mm. there are a few games on your list um, as we are going to move on now uh, that mm. are massive time sinks anyway. 
So yes. I think I think you've got a good good coverage of uh, time used <laughs> on this. Oh yeah, item. yeah, that was a big factor in my mind of like, okay, if I'm gonna be stuck here, I can't pick games where I can't replay them because there are some games I love, some of my favorite games, uh, but I'm not gonna be able to replay them for the rest of my life. Or or um, I assume multiplayer games are not allowed. I'm assuming multiplayer games are with certain rules in place, certain restrictions like voice chat yeah. and chatting. Okay, okay. Is, so is, I could do local, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change my list. But I was just. I can. You, might, I can. I, I might mention them briefly. You could do local, but I, I mean, no one's gonna be there. You're in a deserted place. <laughs> oh, so it's just me. It's just. It, me. it, it is just you on your now, own. Now, does this does games. this island have internet? This this island does have internet with the restrictions okay. that you can't. You can't chat with anyone and you can't write in chat because we wouldn't want you escaping from this deserted place. Right, right, right. So you could secretly send people your coordinates or uh, an okay. SOS signal. So I only ask because there are games in my list that have features that use internet. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Well, speaking of, then why don't we dive right into your next game um, and listen to some music. And then we've got to talk a little bit more about the deserted place as well. So let's listen to some music and let's dive straight into it. So before we jump into your next game, someone, we have to talk mm. about the deserted place in which you're going. Um, sure. Obviously, you are going to be sent there with these eight games, um, but we don't yes. want you to be too uncomfortable. Okay. We, you know, we want you to be able to play these games. So we allow you the choice of a deserted place. It has to be from mm. a video game. It can be anywhere from a video game, but it will mm. be deserted. There will be no NPCs. Uh, if it's a place that has monsters or enemies, those enemies will be there. They mm, will be there. Okay. So you have to you have to think about that. But you can choose anywhere. Uh, we've had people who choose like Outset Island from The Legend of uh, Zelda Wind Waker, the Island of the Witness. Uh, recently, we've had places such as the pub from everyone's gone to the Rapture. Everybody goes to the Rapture. Um, so the, you can literally choose anywhere. So is there anywhere in video games that sticks out in your mind as a cool place that you could chill? Hmm. Um, nothing comes to mind. I'll say probably just like a nice Alolan Pokemon island and just Pokemon running around and just that that sounds like a pretty chill place to, to, to spend the rest of my days if I have to live alone. That is an excellent choice. I honestly kind of jealous. Um, mm. The Alohan world of Pokemon Sun and Moon is 
so beautiful and so wonderful that I can't even imagine anyone has chosen a better one so far. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, I love that game's atmosphere was great. Well, we might, spoilers for a little later, talk about such said game. <laughs> mm, but before yeah. we do that, we're going to go to a disgustingly horrible place, uh, underwater. So although we're sending you to Aloha, or the Aloha Islands of Pokemon Sun and Moon, uh, we have to talk about your next game, which was a game developed by 2K and a Rational Games. It was directed by Ken Levine, the one and only Mr. Bioshock himself. It released all the way back in 2007 now, which is quite incredible, as this wow. is one heck of a game that stands up both graphically and gameplay-wise. It's the game that takes place in Rapture, Bioshock. Sung Wan, oh, yeah. why is the next game on your list Bioshock? Bioshock is, I, I will say, probably my favorite game of all time. Um, wow, okay, uh, that's strong. That's very strong. Yeah, it's at least, there's like two games. The next one on my list is the other contender. but And I always flip, but usually, I don't know, Bioshock, I love that game. Um, and I when I was making this list, I was thinking about, like, I can't pick games or too many games that are just narratives because I'm going to get sick of them. Yeah, like, absolutely. I love I love Ace Attorney, but that's a waste. Like I'm not going to re- replay Ace Attorney over and over and over and over again for the rest of my life as much as I love those games or like um you know like anyway, there are, you know what I'm talking about. There are a bunch of games that have a sort of very linear storyline and that's it. Bioshock, I have to include because I, first of all, well, just going into the gameplay. The gameplay is rock solid. Um, it's the I love not only you know all the powers and you know killing like uh, the combat is really satisfying, but just going around like rummaging through things and like uh, scrounging around is really satisfying and fits with the atmosphere. Um, the voice acting in that game is phenomenal and really like i think one still one of the best video games with or voice acting performances um to date um i don't know there's a okay here's a question do we have achievements can i get achievements yeah you absolutely can get achievements okay okay because that's very that's very important for some of these games that i've picked um so there's a couple of achievements, I think. I've gotten most of them at this point. But there are a couple. I think there's one that's, like, you can't use, like, a Vita Chamber or whatever. So I'm not... I, I would want to, you know, get good enough at the game where I can actually go and complete all of them. Um, which I don't think would take that much time. But I have to include this game because I just love this game personally a lot. And I would not mind going back to it um, every now and then just replay through it again. Just experimenting with all the different powers and playing it in all those oh, different yeah. styles. Did you play yeah. the game initially when it came out, or were you sort of late to the Bioshock party? Mm, that's tough to say. I don't think I played it immediately when it came out, but it was not that long after. Like okay. this was not like a late. This was I was yeah I was in like high school, so yeah, I think I was. It was right around the time when it came out. Because it was one of those things. It's like no one really two uh, K Boston who were. Irrational Games, what they were at the time, they were making this game, 2K bought it out, no one really knew what it was, and then all of a sudden, bang, all these incredible review scores and everyone talking about this game with this incredible twist at the end, um, which I don't know how you feel about personally, is the end of the story and and the twist 
still that mm. thing that sticks in your mind as a Bioshock fan? I love the twist, and I think it it's a and I'm not going to spoil it because just in case people have not played it, yeah. but it plays with a lot of the idea of um um you as the player and what you have like control over when you're playing a game. It's a very interesting it just totally subverts everything you think about when you think about a video game. Um, and I, it, it's revealed in a very um, awesome way. I still think about that scene. Um, and there's, um, going away from just talking about scenes, there are moments, like monologues in that game I just adore. Like the Andrew Ryan's initial speech to you. Yeah. Like, I am Andrew Ryan, that kind of thing. And like the... <laughs> his, Excellent like, voice. Oh, yeah. And the final... Or... Like there's like there's some near the end of the game there's some very big dramatic moments. Uh, oh man, I love the acting in that game so much. It's almost like I almost view that as like I can watch like my favorite movies over and over. That's why I included Bioshock because I can watch some of those scenes and experience some of those moments over and over, and I would still love them just as much. How have you felt the series has gone on progressively? Now, obviously, we had Bioshock mm. 2, which was made by 2K Marin, and then we had Irrational again make Bioshock Infinite, which at the time everyone seemed to love, and the the story elements and twists that were going on in that everyone was adoring. But it seems now, as time has passed, a lot of people don't have the same fondness for Bioshock Infinite as they do Bioshock, mm. and then Bioshock 2, obviously, once again being kind of the black sheep of that family of yeah. games. Um, yeah. How have you personally, as a fan of the series, felt it's gone on? Has it never quite reached the heights? Um, but being good or I will say Bioshock is still my favorite by far um two I think the gameplay improvements are really good in two and I think there's actually some fun stuff they do with like characters but the story is just not nearly as good and the main antagonist is not nearly as memorable um it just doesn't stick out in, in terms of like a narrative um game but Gameplay wise, I I kind of wish, like I could um, play Bioshock, but have some of the improvements of two in it because it makes the game more polished. Um, that's and that's what I'll say about two. I hear Minerva's Den is good, but I haven't played that yet. That's the DLC for two. Yeah, we had um, the the Steve Gaynor, the lead designer of that. Um piece of dlc was on this show a couple of weeks ago. oh cool cool <laughs> yeah i hear that's actually excellent but i have not played that yet um and then infinite i played that that's a game i played later than everybody else i did not play that when it first came out i played that many years after the hype had died down and so i think that game is fun and i think they do interesting stuff with the story and like the twists and stuff and there's actually a couple twists i think are really good but it didn't connect with me as deeply as Bioshock did. Um, it doesn't... Something about the atmosphere of the game, which I liked. I liked the kind of bright, you know, creepy, like, oh, it's Americana, but it's like, you know, not really. It's messed up, you know. I, I liked that. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful game. Maybe it might be the characters maybe didn't stick out to me as much. I liked Elizabeth. Booker was okay. Um, I felt like no other character, though, really stuck with me like Andrew Ryan. Like, Andrew Ryan, I think, is a magnificent character. Not because I agree with him, but because I just... Just watching him from, like, a, a spectator standpoint, from a person who loves 
performance, and he he is just dazzling to me. Um, in Bioshock Infinite, there's actually I can't really name any of the characters. There's like Father Comstock, I guess, and yeah, I don't know, I don't remember that. If it feels like the game just has some good moments, but overall it didn't really stick with me. Like the narrative, just I don't remember actually. I've only played it once, to be fair, but only like the end kind of sticks with me and everything before that it was fun i remember but i don't really remember much about it fair enough well it yeah. is bioshock that you're going to be taking with you so you don't have to worry too much about any narrative problems and you can enjoy all of uh, andrew ryan's failed worlds and experiments mm. for as long as you want <laughs> and i've read i've read ayn rand and uh have you read any of Ayn Rand? You know Ayn Rand? Have you read any yes, Ayn Rand I, books? Yes, I have not read any books, but I do know of Ayn Rand okay. and the sort of philosophies behind okay. the stories and stuff like that. So I have read The Fountainhead, which I enjoyed, and I've read Atlas Shrugged, which I hated. I loathed. And so Bioshock is so satisfying because you get to see why an Ayn Rand world would fail. That's what that game is about. Is If you take all of Ayn Rand's extremist philosophies yeah. and she... She basically, I'm not going to spoil Atlas Shrugged, I guess, in case people want to read it, but basically <laughs> Bioshock is like Ayn Rand's dream world. Yeah. And Bioshock is like, oh, this is what would actually happen. And so that's very satisfying to me. Just wanted to <laughs> end on that note with Bioshock. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> I guess Ken Levine's got your back in that regard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's about time we change your game now. And we move on to your third game, which, going back to bright and wonderful colors, t- stepping away from that sort of objectivism and uh, deep, depressing underworld vibe to the bright sunshine of more Nintendo-like games. So let's listen to some excellent music from this series, and let's dive straight into it. <laughs> game on your listening one is a game that is developed by what i i consider to be a developer who must have easily some of the most picked games um mm. they are not they're not standout developers like in your heads if you're listening um you think of like uh, i don't know like bioware or ea or you know the standout people but for some reason these guys they hide behind nintendo a little bit as a, yeah. a, that thought of third-party developer, but being first-party. Uh, they make some of the most famous Nintendo franchises and some of the most popular Nintendo games that you have no idea were developed by them. And this is one of those games. 
It originally released for the Nintendo 64 all the way back in 2000 in Japan and then 2001 in Europe and America. It was developed by Intelligent Systems, uh, guys behind Fire Emblem, Advance Wars, some of your favorite Nintendo games. It was originally released in uh, Japan as Mario Story or as it was originally known, Super Mario RPG 2, which it then turned into, as we know, the wonderful role-playing video game, Paper Mario. Sung Won. You have done a Let's Play on this game. A yes, very I have. long Let's Play. Um, but why are you taking it to the island with you? Okay, so Bioshock is one of, is my favorite game, but Paper Mario, depending on my mood, might also be my favorite game. It's very hard to choose between those two. Um, Paper Mario was a game that just completely rocked my childhood. I uh, loved. I have loved Mario games. Forever. You know, my first game was Super Mario Bros. on NES. And Paper Mario, um, man, I have played through that game. Because especially when you're a kid, you can just replay games over and over because you have the time. I don't yeah. have the time now to do so. <laughs> I wish I did. Um, but I've played the Paper Mario, I think, three or four times, which shows just how much I enjoyed that game. Um, the combat system is simple but so satisfying. Um, with the action commands and um, there's something about it like where the when the, when the battles the random well not they're not random but anyway the the battles you fight against minor enemies if you can make those as fun as Paper Mario makes them then the rest of your game is just gonna be amazing um, the characters are fun uh, it it's there's something charming about it that while it not it might not have like the best script compared to like later Nintendo games but there's still something about it that has a sense of humor um, and it's still very just charming and fun the characters are great um, Bowser in it is just an amazing character um, there's actually surprising a, a lot of fun things to find in it which I appreciate because I'm not a I'm not a completionist um, necessarily um, but if a game has things to find that I enjoy finding, I love it. And uh, it ha they have, like, you know, star pieces and, like, get all the badges and, you know, do all this stuff. So there's a lot of, like, that is a surprisingly rich game because you, you look at it surface level, you think, oh, that's just, like, a silly Mario RPG. But there's a lot of stuff that they crammed into that game, which um, I feel like they have not, the other Mario RPGs uh, don't really compare for me in that regard. Well, it's funny you say that because Paper Mario seems to be a series that Paper Mario 1 was incredibly well-received, uh, and mm. then Paper Mario Thousand Year Door was incredibly well-received, and then after that... Oh, boy. The series oh boy. not taking uh, a turn for the best, and uh, obviously yep. we've had Color Splash came out recently, and that was kind of the more positive of the recent uh, games in the series, but still mm. had some... I don't know, some reservations by people who reviewed it. Or I will never play it. <laughs> okay, so so can you tell me, explain to me a little bit about what's happened between Paper Mario being the pinnacle of the sort of Mario RPGs? Because we do have, obviously, the Mario and Luigi games uh, as an aside to that, which have kind of Those similar... Those are pretty good. They yeah. have kind of similar combat. Um, mm. But why is it that Paper Mario stands out as the pinnacle compared to games like Sticker Star or... Um, what is it, Paper Jam, and that kind of thing. Mm, oh, okay. Well, to be fair, I have not played Sticker Star 
or Paper Jam or Color Splash. I played Super Paper Mario, which was... Mm-hmm, it was okay. Not great. Um, Paper Mario strengths lie in a fun, very uh, rich narrative, I think. Not rich in terms of, like, really deep lore, but, I mean, just... It's a full-fledged adventure. Um, lots of party member characters, really memorable things or whatever. Um, I think the series has gone... And I think Miyamoto, unfortunately, has something to do with this, where they are like, oh, well, people don't like story, because I think Superhero Mario wasn't as well-received. Um, so they think, oh, well, people like the gameplay. People like only care about gameplay and that they're paper. I hate that the new games only focus on that they are paper. That was never the focus of Paper <laughs> Mario or Paper Mario 2. Sure, Paper Mario 2, you fold into, like, a boat or whatever, into an airplane. Yeah. But it was never, like... Now the games are like, there's a fan blowing the pieces. Of, oh, there's scissors. There's cutting. It's just so frustrating because the original two games' gameplay is so fun. And two improved upon one's gameplay. Um, and I'll talk about why I didn't pick two over one. Uh, but two's gameplay is a huge improvement over one. They have, like, the audience system and they have, like, little tricks and, yeah. like, things you can do to improve, like, you know, improve the audience score. And there's, like, the – it's so much fun. It kills me that a Paper Mario 3, a real Paper Mario 3, could just ramp it up even more. And, like, you know what? Even maybe incorporate some of the ideas they have in these later games. Maybe. I mean, I don't know how. I, I re, I've read a lot of reviews and watched some gameplay, and I'm like, I'm not. I don't want to play these. Um, they need to just make the third one. Like, have a really fun, involved story. Fun party members. And I get people might say, oh, but don't you want them to try new things? No. That's kind of a problem Nintendo has where they like, they think that like with their franchises, we need to just have crazy new one mechanic and make that all about the game. Um, like Zelda, they did like, they did like Triforce Heroes. Like let's have three links and make them a tower. But it's like people want just a good Zelda game. Like uh, what was that new one for 3DS? Like a world link between, between worlds. A uh, link right. between worlds. Yeah. Link between worlds. People loved that game because it was just a really well done Zelda game. The Triforce Heroes or whatever was not nearly as well received. I imagine because it's just kind of a gimmick. Um, that that split. that sort of sometimes Nintendo have the tendency to pick a mechanic. Mm. Or an idea, and then be like, let's just do this. Yes. And, like, let's continue to do this for the whole game. <laughs> right. It does, that bothers me so much. Um, but let's let's get away from negativity, and let's go back to Paper Mario. Um, Paper Mario, I picked over two, because two has some fluff that I don't like. Like, they have some kind of jokey parts where you have to, like, do, like... There's an infamous quest, not quest even, it's part of the story, into where you have to find a character and you have to keep going around these towns and the joke is, oh, he was just here, go find him. One doesn't have any of that. Um, and I think one's gameplay and chapters are much more memorable to me. There are some chapters in 2 that aren't nearly as memorable, even though I think 2 is an excellent game. But 1, and yes, I might be blinded by nostalgia here a little bit, but... One still sticks out to me in terms of its levels and its characters, and I don't know. I think every chapter in that game is very well-defined and very fun. Yeah, it's weird because I am i don't have too much experience with Paper Mario, but mm. it's 
very weird to me in a sense that Super Mario RPG, which is mm. it's such a beloved game by so many people, um, yeah. then became this Paper Mario and the, the concept art that they took for Super Mario RPG 2 um, became Paper Mario based on a sketch by one of the artists. Um, mm. But it really does have this massive fan following behind it. Um, mm. People who maybe not so into the platforming Mario games have sort of straddled alongside due to starting with maybe Super Mario RPG into Paper Mario. What is mm. it that makes Paper Mario so special? In, I, I know you hinted a little bit about making combat fun, like that mundane RPG combat sometimes that you have to go through mm. a lot more yeah. fun. But what is it specifically? Is it just that typical Nintendo touch on things that makes things a little more charming, a little more whimsical, um, and all the more maybe appealing? Or is there something specific to Paper Mario as a series? Obviously, we've had some stumbles now and again. Yeah, yeah. But what is it that makes Paper Mario so special? I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. compare them to the other two Mario RPG f- franchises um, and talk about kind of why I think Paper Mario, for me, stands out. Okay. So Mario RPG, I enjoyed... But I didn't grow up with it. Not, but I played it when I was pretty young. So uh, I like Mario RPG, but I don't think the combat system is nearly as fun as Super Mario. Mario RPG is more like a Final Fantasy, like an old school Final Fantasy. Yeah. And yeah, there are some there are some action timing things, um, but it does feel just kind of like almost like Final Fantasy, but with Mario characters. Um, and I think that, and I think the localization of Paper Mario. Um, is a lot stronger in terms of its script and its comedy. Um, even though Mario RPG does have funny moments, this is not to say that Mario RPG is like very or vastly inferior or even like it's. I think it's a very good game, um, but I think Paper Mario has. I mean, really, I think the gameplay is just every battle is just fun. Like when I was replaying, when I was doing the Let's Play. Um, uh, I was just sort of like, th- I was sucked back in. I was like, oh, I wonder if this will have aged as well. Because I played this a ton as a kid, but I haven't played it in, you know, gosh, like many, many years anyway. Yeah. But no, I was like, this gameplay is so much fun. It is so <laughs> engrossing. Uh, it's simple, but it's so fun and strategic Like, because you're, you're trying to like, you know, maximize your efficiency in terms of like oh well this attack does this much damage exactly especially if you time this right and you know they have the set hp and you know different enemies react this way um going comparing it to mario and luigi mario and luigi is much more i think the script is pretty good but can veer on kind of annoying sometimes and i only played the first i played the first three i didn't beat the third one um and Mario and Luigi, I think, suffers from its gameplay can go a little overboard with, like, reaction time and, like, kind of, like, uh, jumping, like, at the right moment or whatever. Paper Mario is a good blend of RPG, like, methodical thinking, and it has some elements of timing. Mario and Luigi almost feels more like a platformer sometimes than an RPG because you're constantly having making Mario and Luigi jump, you know, and up and down and, you know, doing all these tricks or whatever. Um, but I think Paper Mario is a nice balance between Mario RPG and Mario and Luigi, and that's why it sticks out to me. 
other besides you know the art style and the characters which i think is a huge part (laughs) of it too and which which is what makes the new games i'm gonna digress a little bit the new games so frustrating because like they'll literally just have like hi i'm a paint bucket i'm a that's my character. Hi, in Super Paper Mario. In Super Paper Mario, you have these companions that are like, we are geometric shapes. We're, we're your friends. It's so frustrating because the characters are so much fun in the first two games. Anyway, Paper Mario is good. I'll, I'll just go on for like hours if I'm going to complain about the direction Nintendo's taking with those games. But if you do want to hear someone talk more about Paper Mario, you can watch... Your paper, uh, your paper Mario Let's Play. Um, mm, yeah, I'll plug it. Yeah, press buttons and talk is my Let's Play channel. Um, we have Paper Mario and Phoenix Wright, our full Let's Plays. We have all a bunch of other Let's Plays, um, and I, I have a lot of fun on that channel. Excellent. Well, speaking of Nintendo-based RPGs, and um, one of their most famous, well, their famous franchises, I think, is a stretch. Uh, their associated franchise um, being Game Freaks franchise Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm very excited to finally get to talk about this game on the show it's brand new in a sense um but Mm. it's the first time it's appearing on someone's list Uh, it's not the first game in the series to ever appear on the show but it's the Mm. first time these games specifically have appeared so let's listen to some wonderful hawaiian inspired music and let's dive straight into the next game I'm very excited to say that the next game on your list, someone, is a game developed by Game Freak and published by the Pokemon Company, um, distributed by Nintendo. It's kind of weird where the, the balance of how much Nintendo owns Pokemon mm. these days. Game Freak are able to do their own stuff. Obviously, we've seen Pokemon Go, and mm. Pokemon Tournament, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But it is technically, we we do consider it a Nintendo franchise. Um, I think they have a pretty happy relationship, it seems like. I think so. I think Nintendo would be very, very disappointed if uh, Game Freak were to go elsewhere or something was to happen with the Pokemon Company. <laughs> uh, mm, yeah. And um, speaking of, there was some news. At the time of recording right now, um, there was some news, uh, I think an hour ago, that there will be a new Pokemon-focused uh, Nintendo Direct tomorrow oh wait po- just pokemon just pokemon oh dang so okay. whether this is switch that. related the pokemon stars uh rumors who knows but oh boy speaking of we are talking about the brand new pokemon games um which released last year for the nintendo 3ds mm. in november worldwide it's the wonderful pokemon sun and moon which mm. one are you specifically taking I have Sun. Okay, so Sun is the one you have the experience with. That makes sense. So yeah. you want uh, Soul Galeo, that's which I like better actually. I okay. like that. I like. Um, I actually picked Sun. 
I didn't even pick Sun. My wife also played those games, and I was like, whatever one you want, I'll just take the other one. But she happened <laughs> to want she happened to want Moon, and I was like, good because I would I would have picked Sun anyway. That that works um, out. Yeah, it does work out, and I love Solgaleo. Um, that game, Pokemon. I think. Okay, first of all, I love Pokemon. Um, I have a complete Pokedex in Sun and Moon. Um, I have completed every Pokedex. I didn't complete the first one, I think. Oh, no, I did. First one, yeah, I think I completed everything. I might have skipped Ruby because I didn't like Ruby as much, but I played through it anyway. And then di- 4, 5, 6, 7, I have always had a complete Dex. Um, That's quite so- the quite the achievement. Um, oh, yeah. Everyone sort of, I, I know every year, everyone sort of has the inspiration when a new Pokemon game comes out to be like, this is the time when I finally complete the Pokedex. But it always seems a challenge that's a little too far out of some people's mm. reach. Um, so that yeah. is rather impressive. For me, it's not even inspiration. It's it's, it's mandatory. It's like, okay, <laughs> a new game is out. Uh, time to do this. I need, I've joked about it on Twitter. Like, it's basically renewing your pokemon master license that's when a new game comes out it's like okay well i gotta i gotta do it which um if you're oh boy i could tell i could talk about all the before because now they like released all the legendaries and like um like i think last year it was like every month was a new legendary yeah before then it was not nearly as easy to get them and so i went through some hoops jumped through some hoops to get some of those um but that's I, I, I that, that's that'll be too much of a story. But I will say I picked Sun because um, well, first of all, it's the latest game, and so from a practical standpoint, it has the most Pokemon in it, or potentially you can get in it. So, <laughs> and if I'm and, and if I can't play any new Pokemon games after this, I might as well pick the one the newest one. But that game is atmosphere and characters. And even, okay, the story was kind of a mess, but the atmosphere and characters I thought were a huge improvement over pretty much any of the other games. Um, my favorite game is, like, s- probably Soul Silver, but Sun, is, in terms of a game, like, as a complete package, it is so enjoyable. Um, the Alolan atmosphere is great, and I think future games need to take a similar approach where they need to have a very focused atmosphere because i think some of the previous games suffer from like they tr- like six is or x and y is like we're supposedly paris but you're not really it's like one city is kind of paris but really it's just a giant circle um <laughs> and when i when you play x and y i like x and y a lot but i never felt like man that was kalos that i get what kalos was about but Alola, you're like, I know, I completely get what this is about. I love that the gym leaders are all different. Like, um, they're like, what are the captains and like stuff like that? Like, it's a whole different, almost like culture. Mm. Um, you know, the the items in the stores, like the uh, the pastry. I forget what they're called, the malasadas or something. Uh, there's like they eat like specific region pastries. And yeah, like, they have their own lingo. Like, it's it's so well defined and future games i think need to take that approach because otherwise you suffer from as much and i'll play every game no matter what but there is a little bit of fatigue where it's like x and y i don't really remember much about the story you know like the towns like for me it was just about getting the decks which i love um but sun it's like i remember moments i remember almost all of the characters 
Like, I think it's a great experience. And then as, as far as a deserted island game, um, <laughs> so do you know what a living dex is? A, a, li- a living dex. A living dex. I do not know what this is. Okay. A living dex is when... So I have a complete dex. But a living dex is when you have one of each Pokemon. Not... Because I have, like, Charizard, but I don't I don't have Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard. Ah, uh, okay, much. okay. So you need, you need to have one of every Pokemon. So every separately. evolution, every step. Every evolutionary step, right. So if I'm going to be on a deserted island... Because I started going for it in in uh, Gen Six, and I was like, I don't have the time or motivation to do this. <laughs> but if I'm stuck somewhere, uh, yeah, sounds good to me. That and sounds also, like I might get it. Oh, go ahead. That sounds like one heck of a challenge for a. a de- that sounds mm. like this is a challenge that only could be completed on a deserted island or a university student. So. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I have I have friends who do it. Oh, I have a friend who's, he. Not only has a living dex, he has every variation. Like if if the Pokemon has like a like a coloring variation, not shinies, but I mean like uh, yeah, there's like a Pokemon called I think Vavillion, where it's like a butterfly, and there's like in each country, each region has a different oh, okay, pattern. Okay, yeah. So do you have the yeah. uh, what? Is, what is the bird Pokemon in Pokemon Sunday? The Ori Oricore? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like four of those. Four right. of those. Um, right. And stuff like Pikachu, male and female, have two different tails. Yeah, that kind different of gender. Right. So he he has a complete dex of that. I don't know if he's completed it for Sun and Moon because there are some ones in that I think will be a pain in the butt. But um, I would probably go for that. And I also one thing that they added to because we have internet on this island. One thing that we have in the new games is Wonder Trade, which I love. I I'm um. I love kind of like blind box figures. Yeah. And so this basically <laughs> fills that itch of like randomly getting a Pokemon. And I've gotten some pretty great Pokemon yeah. through it. Um, I remember the that... first day. I remember the first day I had Sun. I did Wonder Trade. I got the other two starters. I got Poplio oh, nice. and I got Litten. Um, That's amazing. So I was, I was, I live in Japan, so Japanese people are usually very helpful and friendly and they all like mm. working cooperatively. So my experience yeah. is very good. But I remember doing Wonder Trade when I was back living in the UK when I was playing X and Y. Uh, not mm. so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just lots and lots and lots of, uh, lots of Redditors and, um, Surits and stuff like that. Just not good. Pokemon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then one other thing is I might go for, like, shiny breeding because that's something I don't have patience for. But, you know, I might go for getting a bunch of shinies, uh, shiny chains. That's unfortunately one thing I wish was better in 7 because um, Kalos had a really fun shiny chaining mechanic. But in 7, they don't have that. Uh, but if I'm going to play a game... Oh, now, now I'm kind of rethinking it. Like, should I should I have picked X and Y? Because X and Y's post-game stuff is better than Sun and Moon. But, no, I'm going to stick with Sun. Because I think that game's complete package. If I'm going to replay it even, um, that game is really just a gorgeous experience in terms of atmosphere. Um, and the new Pokemon in that are so good, too. So, Does I really it- like Sun a lot. I, do, I don't know too much about Shiny, so that's not something I've ever really got into. It's only stuff I've stumbled across as I play the games over the years. Um, wasn't mm. there something about Sun and Moon where Shinies were a little easier to get? There was a, a way you could manipulate the, the catch there rate. There is. Um, yeah. Wouldn't that make it easier? There, 
Um, it might be easier, but it's not as fun. Okay, okay. Um, I'll explain briefly. So in in X and Y, there's a mechanic where you're if you're in a patch of grass, different tufts of grass will shake, and if you go to one the farthest away from you, it'll trigger a Pokemon. And uh, the way to get shinies is basically to encounter the same Pokemon over and over again and keep killing it or catching it. Um, and if you if if you run into a Pokemon that is not the same Pokemon in that chain, it breaks the chain and you have to start over. So every time you run into, like, let's say the same uh, Pidgey, yeah. the more times you run into a Pidgey, the, more, the higher the percentage goes up that it'll be a shiny next time. And so Six had that kind of where you kind of, like, go after the Tufts, and I thought that was actually really fun. Seven, you have the kind of um, call-for-help system, which... Um, is make it probably makes it easier, but it's more frustrating to play, I guess, because it's you kind of have to keep staying in the same battle, and there's like the chance that it'll like run away or like kill itself or something like that. Yeah, it's a lot harder, not harder, but it's a lot more annoying to manage. Whereas six was just kind of like there was almost like a thrill to like going after the tufts. So for me personally, I liked six's chaining method more, even though sevens might make it easier but less fun for me personally. But you'll still stick with taking uh, Sun and Moon over an X and Y. I'll stick with Sun and Moon, yeah, because it has more Pokemon, and that's what's important. Especially (laughs) now that, I think now they've patched it so that Pokemon Bank works with it. Um, Oh, yeah, because that wasn't a launch uh, thing, was it? Right, which was a little strange. Um, Yeah, but I will stick with Sun, because I think it is a great game. Excellent. Well, I'm very excited to finally ha- get to talk about Pokemon Sun and Moon. I've been enjoying Sun a lot as well. And, um, well, this next franchise that we're going to talk about now is a franchise I love to scream about. And I have been screaming about as much as I can uh, on this show. It's it's This episode will come off the back of an episode where this game will get a, a mention as well. So there will be two weeks mm. Where this game gets mentioned, which makes me very happy. Makes me very, very happy to hear. But I'm excited to hear your thoughts as someone who enjoys this series and this game as well. So let's listen to Mm. some truly excellent music and let's dive straight into it. So the next game on your list, Sung One, is a game, once again, we are revisiting Intelligent Systems, who, as mm. I've said, have appeared quite frequently on this show in various degrees through Fire Emblem or uh, Paper Mario or Metroid or Advance Wars. They have such an incredible back catalog of games under their belt. Published by Nintendo, this was directed by Kohei Maeda and Genki Yokota. It was released in Japan under the title Fire Emblem If, 
back all the way back in 2015, uh, unfortunate people like us who live in Europe or in America had to wait a little longer with America getting mm. it first in February of 2016. And then us mm-hmm. poor suckers in Europe had to wait until May of 2016 Oof. for the wonderfully titled Fire Emblem Fates, which it is technically one title, but it's split into three different games. Uh, it follows the storyline of Birthright, Conquest, and then which was a downloadable content title called Revelation. Um, originally, someone you chose Revelation, but, mm. but I said to you that that this came in in one special edition as a retail where you could have all three. So technically, yes. that is allowed as under the one Fire Emblem Fates banner. To be one title. Then I will take it. You can take, take all it. three with me. Which is great because it means we can talk about the games extensively, <laughs> mm, <laughs> which I would oh, like yeah. to do because this is a game I love so much. Uh, in last week's mm. episode, uh, I talk heavenly about it so much for my mm. praise of this series. Uh, alongside Mr. Ray Chase, who currently is the voice of Roy in Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh, cool. So that was kind of cool to do. But someone. Please tell me why Fire Emblem Fates is the next game you're going to be taking with you to the deserted place. So this was a tough choice because I really love Awakening a lot. Um, Yes. And, um, you know, actually, um, I think Awakening... It's tough. I think Awakening's story is much better than Fates. I think Fates' story is actually kind of a mess, but Fates has gameplay elements that I really, really enjoyed. And so if I'm if I'm thinking about a deserted... Plus, there's, the fact that there's three games. But <laughs> thinking of a deserted island experience, there's stuff in Fates that made me choose it over Awakening. Even though I love Awakening's characters, and um, I think the story is better. Because I think Fates suffers from a lot of issues with the plot. But the characters are a lot of fun in Fates. Um... Oh, were you going to say something? I was going to, I was wondering, I, I almost immediately wanted to jump into then the characters being the two sides. Mm. Um, one of the main standout features of this game um, is the fact that it basically comes like a Pokemon package um, yep. with a little more to it than that. The gameplay is very different in each version. The first being Birthright, which follows the Hoshido family, and then Conquest, which follows the Noor family. Um and then Revelation is kind of a mix of the two, and the storylines interweave to be what the kind of the main story of Fire Emblem Fates is, like the shadowy background figures that you see throughout Birthright and Conquest come to yeah. light. Um, talking of the characters, then, we have the two families. They are the main standouts. Who are your favorites, and who do you sort of get drawn to? Hmm. I like, in the, in the families, that's tough. I actually like both sides except Takumi. Um, I don't like Takumi at all. I hate Takumi. I'm so glad <laughs> someone else hates worst. him. Oh, God it, damn what's it. What's crazy is that Leo is so much better. Yeah. Like, he's such a cool, like, like he's like, you know, uh, I I respect you. Yeah, I kind of am jealous of you, but I respect you. Takumi's a little shithead. But anyway. Yeah, I um, hate him. <laughs> I, love, I love Camilla. I think Camilla's a really funny character. Um, I like, uh, I actually really like... Elise and Sakura and um, Hinoka. Ryoma's okay. He's kind of a boring to me. I like Xander, I think, more. Xander, I like um, more. I like Ryoma. He's very much the kind of anime stereotype. Um, mm. Good guy. Can't do anything wrong. Follows his heart and his pride and is super loyal. But then Xander is like this conflicted 
portrayed to be evil but not mm. evil, wonderful brother right. who protects his family. Yeah, I actually really like that about him. And like, um, so I'm gonna I'll walk through I guess my thoughts on each game briefly. Yeah, um, I think I think Birthright is way too easy, um, but I think Conquest is way too hard. <laughs> I beat all th- <laughs> I beat all three, and. I know I'll get flack for because you know there are Fire Emblem purists and I understand and I've played ones um, similar to Conquest, but I actually like being able to level grind. Um, I can play through a Fire Emblem game without it, but I like being able to take my time to, especially because of the conversation, like the um, uh, what do you call them, the support conversations. I love being able to kind of get those up without pressure about like oh i can't use this character because otherwise i'm not going to be able to beat this chapter or whatever yeah um so birthright (laughs) but birthright was like way too easy i thought which is okay um uh and then i actually liked nor's characters more and i thought there was more interesting stuff happening in the storyline um because birthright is pretty straightforward like we are the good guys and we're gonna they're bad and you know that's basically <laughs> what it was like um nor has a lot more interesting stuff going on because they're like our dad is cray cray but they're like well we can't do it we gotta stick with it and try to hope, hope for the best um yeah and so and but but i i did really like that both sides have really awesome supporting characters besides the families too and uh i really liked both sides characters um which is why, and uh, Conquest was way... Man, Conquest was so hard. It like, was really I, hard. It's such a strange... I beat it. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead. It's such a strange juxtaposition between how easy Birthright could be because you literally could grind. For those who who don't know, in Birthright, you had the ability to do like these uh, sort of extra maps where you could grind mm. for gold and you could keep doing it and uh, yeah. keep getting XP and you could basically beef your characters up to... Points where you were literally unstoppable. Uh, in Conquest, mm. it was very limited to what you could mm. do, and there were no such grindable options, which meant right. your characters pretty much only got experience from the major chapters uh, of the story, uh, which made it really, really, really hard. <laughs> I will say, though, that Awakening and Revelation also had level grinding, but they were not nearly as just mindlessly easy i thought as birthright birthright like, like mission systems were very like like just yeah. to, just defeat every enemy which yeah it's super easy right super easy and lot and like awakening i think awakening is actually a pretty challenging game even if you level grind or even if you yeah even if you level grind i, I actually had some a pretty tough time with some of the later chapters birthright was a cakewalk conquest <laughs> the final chapter of conquest i eventually got so because usually I try to keep every character alive, but I got so fed up with it. I, I basically did a suicide run down the hall, and, like, I lost, like, half <laughs> my party. To, so, like, the final, like, credits were, like, this character died in battle. <laughs> this character died in battle. Um, so I basically just ran down this hallway as fast as I could to beat the boss just so I could move on to Revelation. And then let's talk about Revelation, yeah. which... Um, was the uh, DLC um, that came, what was it, a month after, I think? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I don't I don't want to spoil what happens, but it gives you a... Well, it's not really a spoiler. It's kind of the concept of the game. I guess minor spoiler. Instead of choosing one side, you go on your own, um, which is a whole interesting kind of thing what they do there. I thought the 
character dynamics of having different characters kind of team up with you was really interesting. Um, you get a lot more characters in that game. Um, and the I think the difficulty level was perfect. And I thought the mission um, victory goals were really interesting. Like, birthrights were way too simplistic. Conquest had really interesting objectives. Revelation was, like, perfect, I thought. Just in dead in the middle, yeah. It was dead in the middle in terms of difficulty. Like, I thought it was decently challenging. Um, and, like, some of the ideas, like, for, like, maps were great. Like, there was one where you, like, break through snow to, like, find, like, items and, like, discover, like, uh, areas and stuff. I thought it was, like, this is, this is, like, stuff that they don't do in, like, other Fire Emblem games. So, I loved that. I thought the uh, story was, like, intentionally so, I think, the most satisfying of the other two, because the other two kind of end on, oh, this isn't exactly the best ending kind of note. Um, but Revelation, I think, and I think it's meant to be that way, where you play at least one of the others and then play Revelation afterward. Um, yeah. So I, I love Revelation anyway. And then thinking about it from a deserted island perspective, if I can have three games... And one, and you know, I don't think this gonna. I don't think I'll ever have the time for this. But I would love to sit down and actually complete, because you know, it shows like every support conversation you've had with every character in like yeah. your archive. I want to fill that all the way. <laughs> if I so, if I have all the time in the world, I would just sit down, play through that game over, and I will replay those games, Awakening and Fates, because I love Fire Emblem. Um, I played Fire Emblem Heroes recently, and that was okay, but it made me just want to play Fire Emblem, real Fire Emblem games. <laughs> it made me like, want to do I, the same. <laughs> yeah, they're so much fun. The combat is so... There's something so incredibly addicting about the leveling up and the, um, you know, making units better and, you know, friendlier and all that. It's so satisfying to play. Um, so that's why it's a definitely a Deserted Island game. Over Awakening because... There's much more, and also the town. The town system in Fates was really fun, like making your own town and like all the special features. Yeah, it had. just building up your little yeah. castle and uh, having your own little digs to go back to. And it's really nice to have like the support conversations. Like in Awakening, you had the barracks and that kind of thing, and then mm. having the support conversations inside your own little castle. And uh, you you made some funny uh, videos about the sort of weird support system in Fates. Uh, yeah, that was real weird. <laughs> blow on your girl yeah. okay that's no one does that i know they took out some stuff <laughs> like touching that face and stuff like yeah, that yeah like petting them but, yeah um <laughs> there were some I weird say, features fates does suffer a little bit from those there's some weird anime shit going on in that game even more so than usual fire Emblem games but uh overall it's i think a ton of fun yeah um and for the the completionist side of me who is you know the rest of his life to complete it I want to. I want to get all those completed, and you know what? Maybe get better at Conquest. Maybe train myself to be better at that game. Maybe you can tackle um, Lunatic Mode in Conquest oh one day. Oh God! Well, if I have all the time in the world, maybe. <laughs> well, as much as I love Fire Emblem, we're gonna move on to your next game, uh, which is another time sink. I think this is probably the biggest time sink in uh, your whole list. Um, if I'm <laughs> honest, I've I've spent. I think oh, my yeah. Steam. My Steam hour count on this game alone is within the 500 plus hours. It's such an incredible game. So why don't we listen to some music from this next game? Let's dive straight into the second to last game on Sung Won's list.
So the next game on Sungwon's list is Sid Meier's Civilization V, a game developed by Fraxis Games um, under the Sid Meier's banner. Although for the most recent Civilization games himself, Sid Meier has not had the involvement um, that other designers have had, like John Schaefer being the director, stepping up, uh, being involved in Civilization 4 and Civilization 6 as well. It's the game mm. that was released for PC back in 2010, which is a crazy long time ago now. <laughs> mm. Time is moving weirdly fast for games like Bioshock and Civilization, which I feel is still really fresh in my mind um, from the last generation. But we're now blasting on past. But yeah, Sungwon, the next game on your list is Sid Meier's Civilization V. Hmm. As far as I know, Sid Meier, didn't he only do the first Civilization game? And he did another one that I've played called Civilization Revolution. Yeah, that was um, the Xbox 360 game, wasn't it? I, yeah, and I played that recently, 3. and actually that was really fun. It was, I yeah. I loved that, and I, I, I like got tons of achievements in that because I loved it so much. Uh, but anyway, Civilization V, um, oh boy. this If we're talking about... What games to bring on a deserted island? <laughs> yep. This is one of the games to bring. Uh, this is one in terms of just sinking. This is a dangerous... It's a really dangerous game. Because if I start playing that game, that's my day. I, I will keep playing it. Like, I'll be like, oh, let's play, like... I'll play, like, maybe one or two hours. It's, like, 10 a.m. Oh, now it's 10 p.m. And I've been playing this all day. Um... It's. I have every expansion for five. I have not played six because I can't. I mean, I can't do, do that to myself. And uh, um, I and also part of me is like wants to like get all the achievements in five. As as uh, crazy as that sounds, but I've actually gotten a good chunk of them because um, I've played it for. So, so, so talking about achievements, because you hinted a bit before with the Bioshock thing, mm. uh, is achievements mm. like a big thing for you? Because I know every there was a time when everyone made a massive deal about Xbox 360 achievements, but stuff like Steam achievements and PlayStation 3 trophies, I feel people maybe don't mm. have the same sort of, I don't know, want dedication to get those or, things. Yeah, yeah, the dedication, first. yeah. Right. It matters if it depends on the game. I am not an achievement completionist by any means, but if it's a game I love, then achievements are actually a big part of it for me because not because I care about like my score or whatever, but because it let it makes you not makes you, but it encourages you to play the game in ways you normally wouldn't. Like in Bioshock, like the first time I played, I didn't do the photography or whatever. But when I played it afterwards to get the achievement, I did the photography to get the achievements. And I was like, this is really fun. I And I'm, I'll do it from now on. Civilization V, also, it's like it encourages you to play as all the different countries. It encourages you to try go for different victories, uh, try different things to like... Con like, I always love... Um, whenever I play the game, I'll pick out a couple of, of achievements and go, okay, I'm going to try to get these achievements this time. Because I've played through it so many times at this point. Yeah. That like... Um, and getting the, I think it's this one where like the science one is too easy to, or no, I forget. There's one achievement that's, or one victory condition that's, that's way too easy to get. And so if I play by achievements, I can go, okay, I'm not going to get the, let's say diplomacy victory. I'm going to go for the cultural victory and do it with this character and do it with these conditions. And so that's when I think achievements can be really fun. If I think achieve the achievements for a game sound really tedious or annoying, I don't care at all, and I'm not going to do them. 
But with Civ Five, I think for the most part, and there are a few exceptions, but 90% of the achievements are achievable if you put the time into it and just do it. Um, but anyway, I have all the expansions. I That game is ingenious because it's, it's just like a one more turn kind of game. Like, I can just, you're constantly improving your country um, you know, building improvements and adding things and, you know, researching things. So every click, it's it's ingenious. Every click, it's like, I'm getting better and better and better and better. <laughs> it's a drug. Um, and it's so, it's very zen, actually. Like, it's, I mean, until someone attacks you, which can be frustrating. That's one of the qualms I have with Civ games is I wish you could tone down the fighting a little bit sometimes, but... Excuse me, because it's sometimes a little tedious to have these massive armies and clicking them to fight each other when you're just trying to build a damn like, <laughs> like a damn city. But <laughs> um, I will say that they are dangerously addictive to play, um, constantly rewarding you for um, stuff that you're doing, and you're always working towards improving and getting better. Oh, it's so much fun! It's funny you say the whole dangerous thing because. Um, my girlfriend at the time when Civ Five came out, um, I sort of built her a PC to uh, made of spare parts from my uh, old PC, and um, she was thinking of games that she wanted to play. And she was like, "Oh, I used to play games like Total War and stuff." I was like, "Hey, why don't you check out this game called Civilization Five? It's mm. kind of new, and uh, it's maybe up your alley. You'll like it." Man, I did. I didn't see her for weeks. I did not see her for <laughs> weeks. I'll always distinctly yeah. remember. It's like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm playing Civilization Five. Oh. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, what what are you doing on Saturday? I, I think I'm probably playing <laughs> Civilization Five. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it, even for myself, just now and again, I don't have it installed anymore because, as you say, it is dangerous territory. Especially, I don't like to have too many games installed at one time uh, mm. on a PC just because of hard drive space and stuff like that. Yeah. So I only mm. have a few Steam games that now and again I'll I'll just click on for ten minutes to play. And for a long mm. time, Civilization V was one of those games. So I could pretty much just turn it on at any point. Like if I was working or if I was doing anything, I was writing emails. And um, instead of like, I don't know, 10 minutes on Binding of Isaac, um, I would instead mm. <laughs> turn on Civilization V thinking I could take like a few turns and then that's it. Like, as, yeah. as you said, the whole day is gone. All your work has gone nowhere and you are suffering massively because you've spent most of your day playing Civilization V. It is a dangerous, dangerous thing. But, as we have spoken about, especially with challenges such as the living decks and uh, getting all the achievements in Bioshock and stuff like that, mm. for a deserted place, this is exactly the kind of game it that you want to be taking. Perfect. It, I could probably spend a decade, nah, I don't know, well, feels like it anyway, just, just playing that game. Um, it brings out almost the worst in you because it's like, Let's say you have plans with friends like that night, and you're like, God, I don't want to, I don't want to go out. I just want to play Civ Five the whole time. Like, God, I hate having friends. Right? <laughs> I hate spending time with people because it, it's like you're just so, it's so engrossing. Um, man, playing one game, like one session, takes so long. Yeah, that would take up, that would take up quite a few days of my deserted island life. So, I think it's a perfect fit. Perfect. And what about the DLC expansions? Because you, you can take them with you. Um, mm. you as, as part of taking a game, we allow you to take all the DLC with you as well. Um, mm. What are your thoughts on the DLC? Have you played like Gods and Kings and Brave New World? 
Yep, I've I've I play with all with both all the um uh, there's like two main ones. I play with both of them on um I think they actually add a lot. Um I love the um I think the religion system is really fun. I think the having spies is fun. Um they change the um cuz you can get like the actually I don't remember which stuff is from which expansion because I kind of got both at the same time, but you can get like the different like works of art and like wonders and like all these like cool they they just added a lot of interesting elements to it that I didn't think conflicted with the game. I think and they have like the UN, I mean, we could just go on and on. Like you know, they have like the United Nations system. Um it it led to a lot of interesting new types of victories, which I thought was really cool. So I I can't imagine playing the game without them at this point. I think they are very fun, solid um, additions to the game. Excellent. Well, they are yours to take, and you can spend all the time in the world uh, playing them <laughs> while you're chilling on your Hawaiian island, which sounds right, and also really with fun. them, you get more, more expansions, you know? That's I mean, more, true. More achievements, more achievements, <laughs> more achievements, more expansions, yeah. <laughs> you're just going to one day sit back and look at your living decks and be like, ah, perfect, and then look across at your PC and see all the achievements on Steam for Civilization Five and be like, Ah, perfect. This was totally and worthwhile. I'm like 80 years old. Finally, I can die. You know. <laughs> well, I lied before, and I said this was the second to last game. It's not. In fact, we have one more game that I'd completely forgotten about. So we're going to go on to this actual real second to last game now. So let's listen to some excellent music, and let's dive straight into it. Isaac and his mother lived alone in a small house on a hill. Isaac kept to himself, drawing pictures and playing with his toys as his mom watched Christian broadcasts on the television. Life was simple, and they were both happy. That was until the day Isaac's mom heard a voice from above. Your son has become corrupted by sin. He needs to be saved. I will do my best to save him, my lord, Isaac's mother replied, rushing into Isaac's room, removing all that was evil from his life. Again, the voice called to her. Isaac's soul is still corrupt. He needs to be cut off from all that is evil in this world and confess his sins. I will follow your instructions, lord. I have faith in thee, Isaac's mother replied. So, speaking of games that I feel are still fresh in the mind, which actually came out years and years ago to the surprise of everyone, is this next game, which is an independent roguelike video game that was designed by Super Meat Boy designer uh, Edmund McMillan. It released originally uh, on PC for Windows, but it has been ported to so many consoles and iOS and everything, and is also getting a Nintendo Switch port as well. It released all the way back in September of 2011. 2011. Wow. Um, wow, it's still fresh crazy. in the mind. It's had two different versions. I think a third one is coming. It is, of course, The Binding of Isaac. Sungwon, mm. why is the second to last game, the real second to last game, unlike my lying ass before, why is this... Whoop. <laughs> Sorry about that. Someone's time to wake up. <laughs> yeah. Why is Binding of Isaac your second to last game that you're taking with you? So, um, I have not played the remake, um, which I hear is very good. Um, but part of me is a little stubborn in that, since I haven't gotten all the achievements in the first one, 
I can't move on to the remake or whatever. <laughs> even even though I hear they add a ton of stuff, and um, um, and I'm sure if I played it, I'd probably take that one instead. But anyway, Binding of Isaac, um, it is a great time sink as well in terms of the gameplay. Like I love roguelikes. There's another roguelike on Steam I really like called Dungeons of Dreadmore. Um, and then I also really like the Mystery Dungeon games. And so, um, like, something about the idea of you get better and better even if you die. Because when you die, you go back to the beginning. But you you become just better at the game. You unlock kind of, like, items that can help you a little bit along the way. Or at least um, you can become more familiar with stuff. It's rewarding without feeling too frustrating. Um and the Binding of Isaac, I think, because when you when I first started playing the game, I was terrible at it. Um, but at this point, like I can, you know, well, actually, it's been a while since I've played. But when I was in my prime, I could, you know, get through the game easily, get through, get to mom, get to, you know, the final stages. Because they added some, like I think, DLC. Like was it free DLC or paid DLC? I forget. But um, there were they extended the game a bit. Um, there's tons of unlockables in that game, tons of achievements. Um, so. And some of them, I imagine, very difficult to get. So, Deserted Island again. If, I have, if I'm going to take the time to just master a game, Binding of Isaac already can suck me into it, kind of like Civ Five. Yeah. Because after I die, it's like, well, I can do better than this. Or, that was not a good run. Or, oh, let's, let's keep going. I can, I can, it's just, I can keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Um, it's a very, very addicting game in that regard. Um, and so... Just for this is one for just almost pure gameplay reasons why I'd pick it for a deserted island. It's so much fun. So you said you haven't played the remake, which is the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Um, mm. Even though you are going to deserted island to play it forever, and I know you haven't mm. quite finished the first one, would you mm. still take the first one over Rebirth just for that reason? Hmm. Well, I haven't played Rebirth, so. Uh, it's... I'll take the first one okay. just because I want to complete it. I want to complete... I have a good amount of achievements on it, but I want to complete that one, and yeah, I'm going to take that one because I want to... If I'm going to... I won't be able to die in this fictional scenario if I haven't completed it. <laughs> that's what, even that's if I, what even you if think. I took, <laughs> right, <laughs> Even if I took Rebirth with me, uh, I'd be like, but I didn't finish the first one, and then I would be on my coconut deathbed, just mourning the fact that I abandoned the first game. So I will stick with the first game, even though I hear Rebirth is very good. That's quite admirable that you would stick with such a thing for your cause of um, getting mm. all the achievements. What, what what are some of the... So if Because it's kind of rare now that you run into people who are still sort of focused on achievements, I feel. Like mm. when Gamerscore mm. on Xbox was kind of a big thing, I felt like that was yeah. the pinnacle of... Um, when people are obsessed with achievements, like people playing that crap King Kong movie game just to get like just to get points, like yeah. a thousand G in like ten minutes or something. Um, mm. What are like some of the games that um, you would also consider taking to a deserted island just for the achievements alone, just to just to get those achievements? Because maybe either they're difficult and it would be a good time sink to do, um, or is there mm. stuff where the achievements are really fun that you wouldn't mind so, doing again? I've never been about the score. That's not ever been the reason why. It like like I said, it's always about if I love this game, 
I want to complete it because I love the side quests or whatever. Um, I think I took most of the games I would bring, honestly. Uh, I can talk about a game that I did 100%. There's, there's, there are some games I can't take because I already 100%ed them. But if I hadn't, I would have taken them. Um, do you want me to talk about that a little bit? You can tell me a little, like, not too many, because obviously you are only allowed these eight games, and I don't want you to regret sure. your choices too many if there okay. were some that pop okay. up. But what were some that were going through your head when you were choosing? Hmm. So, I will mention one that I love this game, but I already 100%ed it. So, if I had not, I would have brought it. And that's Animal Crossing New Leaf, um, which I put... I wish I could have. T- I wish I could just erase my memory and experience of that game and just start from the beginning, because that took two straight years of my life to complete 100 <laughs> and like over 900 hours. Um, oh my I played. God. I played every. I played every day, uh, because that game you have big badges, and yeah. badges are basically achievements, and you get the gold badges if you. There's like bronze, silver, gold. You can get gold badges if you complete these ridiculous objectives, like catch a thousand fish or you know get ninety percent of all the items in the game. I did it, and it's still one of my crowning achievements in gaming to date. Um, going back to the idea of ones that I haven't, let me look at my shelf real quick. I mean, it's right behind me. Mm. <laughs> um. You know, there's not really that many that I'm, like, just to get the achievements. Like, I guess I didn't do them all in Mass Effect, but I can't take all three games. That's why I didn't include it. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like I covered the ones that I'm, like... Because I, I really took that into account. Like, if I'm, go, if I'm taking eight games, I gotta take the ones where I really want to beat them all. Or complete it. So, I think Revelation, Bioshock... Um, Civ Five and Binding of Isaac were like depressing ones. The other ones are like, I can I can live without completing those. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the you've got the important ones, and they're going with you. So it's it's actually the first time someone on the show has thought about maybe the long term goals of such things. Like no one has really mm. spoken about achievements or um, oh, okay. that kind of uh, trophies before. So it's really interesting that 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 is like an important thing when you play games. Are you very much a person who when I when you have a game like that's it like I I don't play multiple games at the same time um and I don't stop until this one is like a hundred percent finished. At this point, yeah. And when I uh I don't like I said I don't complete every game one hundred percent. Like right now I'm playing Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon and I'm not gonna stop playing that game until I get every Pokemon in that game. I'm fifty hours in. I'm only halfway. Doesn't matter. I'm going to complete that game because if I find myself in love with the game. I dedicate all my time to that game. Um, I'm surprised that people have not really talked. I guess people might think of it more as like my favorite games. But when you said Deserted Island games, yeah. I was very much in the mindset of, okay, I can't take like Super Smash Bros. Because, well, first of all, I'm alone. But even if I had people, it's like I don't – I am I mean – Maybe that's not the best example. Let's say um, I would the disagree last of with us. the Smash Brothers. I think I think Smash Brothers was definitely not the right example because I definitely would take Smash Brothers to a deserted island. <laughs> Even if you were alone, I don't know if I would do it if I um, were alone. I think I would just because I don't mind fighting AI on ten. 
Mm, uh, okay, okay. So, see, I love that game a lot. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games. Yeah. but I I would get sick of it. I'll, here's a better example for me: The Last of Us. I love that game a lot, but I'm not gonna replay that game. I can't see myself playing that game indefinitely. I included some games on here that are narratives: Final Fantasy IX, Bioshock. But I can see myself playing those games over and over again because I love them so much. Yeah. Um, and enjoy just the pure enjoyment of like wanting to rewatch a sh- movie, like I kind of said. Yeah. And so I, it's like half my list is like those games, like, and there's one we haven't talked about yet. And then half of them are achievement, excuse me, not achievement, but completion based games where I'm like, I really, if I had the t- all the time in the world, these are like the four games I would want to just annihilate so um i did think of it from that standpoint because there are there are some of my favorite games that i did not include because i was like i'll either get sick of them or it's not a game meant to be played over and over and over again fair enough and i i'm it's quite fascinating to me as someone who's almost the complete opposite of you i find it as i get older harder and harder to finish games something oh oh no i have that problem too but go ahead i like as something like I'm trying to play right now. I was trying to play Dishonored 2 and I, mm. I'm trying to get through that and play that. And it's a really great game and I love playing it. Um, but like in my mind, I know that next week is like mm. Breath of the Wild. Mm. And my mind is fixated upon that where it makes it hard to want to play Dishonored yeah. further um, because there is something else I'd rather be playing. And then when Zelda comes out, um, I'll want to play Zelda. And, uh, and Dishonored will just go to the side. So sticking with it, and, and especially with games like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, which is, for all intents and purposes, a great game and a great series that I really enjoy. But w- with like something like Zelda coming out soon enough, it's like mm. my mind would be so tempted to just move on <laughs> to that next thing. Let me digress. Or not digress. Let me expand on that a little bit uh what you said about um being not being able to finish games no i am very picky about what games i finish uh i i I abandon games all the time if i'm not into them because i have limited free time now so like i'll play like maybe like a couple hours of a game and if i'm not hooked by that point i just move on like i played like the tomb raider that new tomb raider game. yeah and it was it was pretty good like it was pretty good for what it was but after like maybe four or five hours i was like i'm not gonna beat this i not because it's a bad game not because i'm not necessarily having fun but it's not sticking with me and so i move on it's not the um, game i want to spend the next 30 hours playing exactly and so i'm i'm very particular about what games i will either and that's why i like short games so much because i can just do it i can beat it get a nice compact complete story like undertale or something like that and go on see some people really hate that indie games or whatever are short but i actually at this point in my life i'm very appreciative (laughs) of it uh because i'm not gonna spend i have a lot less patience i guess for padding in games yes well it depends but like um, it's funny. It's probably it's probably kind of a, a touchy thing to say. In in some way, I appreciate games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne for what they do in terms of um, not holding the hand of the player. But those mm. are special cases. Other games that mm. try to get the player to explore a little bit, but maybe don't execute it very well. 
and I'm just wandering mm. awa- around, wondering what I'm meant to be doing, like yeah. that's when I get put off a game. And sometimes mm. people complain that maybe games are too handholdy, but having a direction and knowing that you're doing something progressive and you actually are progressing further uh, allows my brain to think this is not a waste of time like you'll get to the end mm. of this game um which is right. kind of maybe a controversial thing to say because a lot of people still have some complaints with games being too handholdy or too easy yeah that's true I, I don't necessarily have a problem with like the game helping you as long as it's not like too and i will say with pokemon sun the tutorials for that were kind of unbearable wow but, they went on for um, a long time very long time so i think there's a good happy medium Going one and going back to one more thing you were saying, yeah, where you abandoned Dishonored too, or not abandoned, but you want to play Zelda. I'm very guilty of that too. I was playing Sleeping Dogs, which I actually um, such a great really game. Liked. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, game. I I I was really enjoying it, and then Pokemon Sun came out, and I <laughs> buy like that's the priority. I'm sorry, um, and it sucks because like I don't know if I'm gonna go back to Sleeping Dogs because it's been so long since I played it. Um, but it was really good, so maybe I will. Like, right now, like, um, I was playing Last Guardian, although I was very frustrated with that game, and I wasn't, I don't know if, I wasn't really enjoying that game that much, but I started playing Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon because I needed a game to take with me while, because I travel sometimes, uh, out of state, and so I was like, I need a handheld game, I bought it, and now I'm just all, that's all I'm doing, that and mobile game, so, uh, (laughs) that's like... Man, so I, I'm very guilty of that too. Like, I'll just, um, I don't want people to think, like, I am a completionist and I pick I, every game I have purchased, I will 100% absolutely not the case. It's like a couple games I really like that I will play a lot and then completely abandon other games after like an hour. Like, I'm so kind of fickle at this point. Wow. That's it's that kind of thing with getting older, I think. Uh, sometimes it you is, just find that yeah. you don't have the time and. Am I really going to stick with this? Maybe not. But then I do feel guilty, not only in the sense that I've spent my money, like, you know, my own money on this (laughs) $50, $60 or whatever it is. And um, you're like, oh, and you have, especially when I turn on my PlayStation 4 or something and I look at my dashboard and I see all of these games that I've downloaded digitally. Mm. And I'm just like, I'm never going to play you ever again. Why are you, why are you even here? (laughs) When I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to play all the good games in the world and now it's like i'm gonna play some of them maybe if if i have time <laughs> and then you're like uh, oh i'm too i'm too overwhelmed by the choice i think i'll just go play pokemon again <laughs> yeah um which i we, do try oh, go, go ahead so, well i please go ahead because i was going to segue into the next game but be- okay i was gonna say i do try to not go back to games i've already played well, that sometimes I fall into that trap, but I'm always trying to go onto a new game I haven't played because there are actually a lot of games on my list to play that I do really want to play. And I, if I let myself just go back, I'm gonna play some Civ Five, or I'm gonna play, uh, I'm gonna go back to play Fire Emblem. It's it's gonna, I'll just never, then I'll definitely never get to the games I want to play because there, even though I have kind of like accepted the fact that I'm not gonna be able to play every game I want to play. There are still some definite titles out there that I definitely still... And the problem is games keep coming out all the time. And so it's just like... It's like a title... It's like a constant flood of games. But So I try my best to go on to a new game whenever I beat the one I'm playing. 
because it's otherwise I'll never otherwise I'm stuck in a vortex <laughs> of just the same games forever. Well, speaking of the same games forever anyway. <laughs> I think we should move into your last game, which is the game I forgot about because I skipped over it in the list earlier, but I think really this should be the bookend. Considering where we started okay. and where we are now. Um Right. We should just listen to some excellent music once again by the wonderful Uematsu-san, Nobu Uematsu. Let's just listen to some wonderful music that you'll all recognize. And let's dive straight into Sungwon's final game. game on Sungwon's list today is a game that was developed by Square and released for the PlayStation. It was published by Sony Entertainment um, originally with them pushing a massive amount of money into the uh, help to promote this game, which kind of, I think, led to a big reason as why it was so successful. The director was Yoshinori Kitase under the guiding wing of the one and only Hironobu Sakaguchi. It released originally in January of 1997 and kind of took the video game world by storm, as you all know. It is the one and only Final Fantasy VII. So, Juan, mm. we're starting with a Final Fantasy game and we're ending with a Final Fantasy game. Mm. But Final Fantasy IX was your favorite. Yes. But you're still taking Final Fantasy VII. I am. And why is this? Um. Okay. So, every, a lot of people say VII is their, the best. Yeah. I don't agree but it's my second favorite um so i'm i'm in, I'm in that position where i don't think seven's overrated like as a lot of people say um but i it's not but I, i'm not going to talk about like oh why is it not my favorite i'm going to talk about why i like seven so um well let's cover nostalgia first that was a huge game in my childhood um some of the scenes in that game still stick out very vividly in my mind. Uh, and even though, I, like I mentioned before, the script and localization is pretty shaky and there are some just straight up mistakes in there, um, it's still, I'm surprised at how much I like the characters. Because I think with that game, you could have fallen very easily into the trap of the characters being too grim or too brooding. But a lot of the characters are actually very fun. And Cloud is actually, a, has a, pretty funny sense of humor um i think a lot of people write him off as kind of like just a stoic boring guy but i think he actually can be funny and sarcastic when he wants to be He kind of reminds um, me a little bit i think maybe the humor doesn't come across because he kind of is written almost kind of like a british person like his, his humor is very <laughs> deadpan and miserable in a sense that it just has a bleak outlook on everything, which is kind of just how British comedy is anyway. Um, but that doesn't yeah. go well with other written characters who are seemingly very American. 
it's actually kind of funny to me. I kind of I kind of love how he bounces, how the other characters bounce off of him because you know Barrett is very uh, boisterous and Tifa is very you know outgoing. Um, I think that game still holds up because, well, actually, it's hard to say if it completely holds up because graphically it's pretty dated. Um, I still think the combat system is very fun. I actually, when I played it as a kid, I actually uh, one, uh, leveled up every materia in that game. Every single one. And that took forever. Um, I got all, I beat all the weapons and stuff. And um, so I think I almost 100% of that game when I was younger. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff to do in that game. Yes. <laughs> but I'm picking, oh yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. So many. Um, I'm picking that game for Deserted Island because like nine, I just enjoy, or yeah, I played that game through maybe two or three times, three, three times, I think. And I just enjoy going through the story, going through the character moments. There are some great scenes um, and interactions that really have stuck with me, just like Nine has. Um, the music is obviously phenomenal. Uh, man, that's also... And that's a game where the atmosphere is also... Uh, it's darker, but it still has kind of like a funny kind of sense of humor to it, which I appreciate. And, uh, and also, Sid Highwind is just a magnificent character. Um, and yeah, I just, story and characters for that, um, are mainly the reason why, because I have basically a hundred percent of that game, but I would not mind playing through that over and over. Like that's a game I could definitely just keep replaying. It's funny because Final Fantasy VII has appeared on this show quite a lot of times, as you can imagine. Right. Yeah. And, um, it is one of those where for a lot of people, it's their favorite, not only, fantasy final fantasy game but you know rpg in general or just their favorite game Mm -hmm. in general and it is one of those games that has a lot of behind it you know everything that proceeded after final fantasy 7 that is in the realms of that universe we had stuff like um crisis core uh the vincent game which was crap um (laughs) the movie and now we have the remake yes the hd remake coming out and recently we saw some more sort of screenshot i I don't want to use the word screenshots. We saw sort of what is meant to look like what the game's going to be. Mm, but considering yes. what happened with 15 and the screenshots we saw all the way back in the original start of that development to now, who knows? Um, right. But it does seem that we will see the remake soon enough. Um, mm. It is this game where people have such nostalgia for it, but it had that very good core system. Mm. And you are going to a deserted island to play it for the rest of, you know, your fictional life in this deserted place in terms of like taking the final fantasy 7 mechanics and then putting them into a mm. brand new game mm. do you think like the remake they they can do it do you think it's going to be like that game where it's going to have the same appeal to the people who like final fantasy 7 that anyone from when that game gets released and they're wanting to choose final fantasy 7 they would go with the remake mm. instead oh boy i am not sure um from what I've seen of the brief stuff we've seen with the like the gameplay, it seems like it's not really like the same gameplay. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows for a fact, but it seems more like. And I haven't played fifteen. It seems more like fifteeny, um, but I don't know. It looked actiony to me, 
which is not a which is not a, a bad thing, but and I'm not trying to say that Seven's gameplay is like untouchable and that you cannot change it, but I'm not sure if what the remake will be like. I'm for me, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic, but I also have nothing to lose because if if the remake is not what I like, I still have the original game. That's very true. And that's how I've always that's how I've always felt about. You know, those kinds of games or remakes is like, oh, I don't care. If people like it, that's fine. If they if I don't like it, I have the original game. Um, one thing I'm concerned about with the remake is I hope they keep the sense of humor that the original game has. Because I think if that's kind of lost in... Um, like, Advent Children was kind of a mess. And uh, I enjoyed it, but it was kind of a mess. And I played a little bit of Crisis Core, and that was okay. That was pretty fun. But they kind of got too serious and too like man it's stoic and it's it was it's a serious anime but <laughs> it's there if you look back at the original seven there are so many just strange goofy moments and just choices and things like that like there's an enemy that's a giant house that has legs or whatever and there's like uh, a boss that's like this goofy guy who spanks his butt at you and gets hit by a truck and like all all these like really almost like wacky things but i actually loved that about it because it it made the game unique to me like it didn't make it too dark grim it was it was serious but it had this just unique weird uh atmosphere to it that wasn't quite just serious it was a good mix of both i think um, and I'm, I don't know. We we don't. I don't know enough about the remakes to fully judge it yet. That's true. And I, so I'll just say I'm. I'll just say I'm hoping it can retain that because from what I've seen, it it looks pretty like we're badasses and this is this is very grim. But that's not all that game is. I think that's what people might th- think about that game when they when they're remembering it. But if you actually sit down and play it, like it's not only that. I think it has. I think it's. Um, it has more facets to it than I think people give it, give it credit for, is what I'll say. Yeah. So, going back to what I asked you about Final Fantasy IX then, um, even more so, you can play Final Fantasy VII across so many different platforms now. Um, and mm. it recently, no, well, I say recently, I said the start of last year, it received a PlayStation 4 port where it had uh, sort of mm. all those additional options where you could, you know, slow down time, you could change the random battle generators a little bit, and you could manipulate stuff and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. Would you still take just TV and the PlayStation 2 to play it, or do you have a different version that you've played? I've only played the original. Okay. Um, I'm sure the new ports are better, but now nah, I'll just take the original. You know, I'm kind of a uh, sap in that regard. Like, you know, I'll just, <laughs> if I'm going to play this game for the rest of my life, I'll just play it on the platform I have played it on for ages. Um, yeah, I'll stick with the... Give me a PS2. I'll be good. You can have a PS2 for Final Fantasy IX and for Final Fantasy VII as well. And you can uh, do everything you want in those games. Get I, I know they don't have achievements, but, um, you know, mm. got all those weapons to get. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's a tons of stuff to do in those games, which I love. Excellent. And that's why I picked them, too, because they're such long games. So long. Like, w- one replay of one of those games, that's, like, easily a week or two or something like that, you know, depending on how long you play it. So uh, I 
that's part of my strategy when I pick these games too. Also, I happen they happen to be some of my favorite games of all time. Excellent. Then that's a perfect balance, and it seems like you've all, you've completed the uh, the deserted island. <laughs> In a sense, you've picked the correct games for the situation. Oh, good! I beat it. You beat nice. it. You get the achievement. You're the first person to get the achievement. I I feel that means more to you than uh, yes. anyone who's been on the show. Sungwon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about some of your favorite games. Oh, my pleasure. This was very fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. There is one last question I have to ask you. That is the last question sure. I ask anyone before I send them away with their eight games. Is um, Today we've talked a lot about the games that you take, um, but a big part of playing games is the consoles we play them on sometimes and the sort of nostalgia Mm. we have for certain consoles or certain companies you know going back to the 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 ages of sega and nintendo or even further back with atari and stuff like that um so if you could take just one console you're not allowed to take pc unfortunately because you can emulate pretty much any console on that Um, if you could just take one console thinking with the back catalog to that console in your mind if you could just take one console with you alongside your eight games what would you take? Hmm. Ooh, that's tough. Ah, because 3DS is has a ton of games I love, uh, but the does the X is the Xbox One backwards compatible? Uh, it it a, is kind of like there are certain okay. games that are. Okay. Um. They have to be patched, don't they? Um. But not every game yeah. is. Okay, this is tough because I also really love the Xbox 360 PS3 generation. Um, there's a ton of games on there that I love. <sighs> Why are you doing this to me? Um, I'm gonna let me look at my shelf. Oh, but the 3DS can play DS games. Th- that that is a good that, point. Yeah. Oh dang, I'm gonna say 3DS. Um, that's the one these days that I'm playing the most. Um, and as much as I love console games, uh, I can get, and can I, can I get, can I take the entire collection of games or do I have to only take the ones that I own? No, you can, you can have the back catalog. This is, this is the general, this is the generous part of the show. (laughs) This is easy then. 3DS. Cause you can play, I can play any 3DS game and any DS game. And I guess theoretically I could buy off the virtual console on there, uh, Easy choice, 3DS. I love the 3DS. I've spent disgusting amount of hours playing games on the 3DS. I will take that for sure. Otherwise, my second choice would maybe be like the PS3 or 360 because there are some great games on those too. But no, 3DS for sure. Excellent. Well, the 3DS is yours to take alongside the eight games that you've chosen today. Somewhat, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm such a fan of your videos, so it's been a great, great opportunity to talk to you today. Um, oh, I'm glad you enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, please, please continue to do more, and also please continue uh, trying the wonderful tasty treats we have here in Japan. Uh, I always get a kick out of seeing you eat stuff that I eat on a daily basis. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're lucky, and you, know, you yeah you get you get to have wonders of food all around you. I do. This country is such a good one for food. Um, but tell the wonderful people who have listened so far uh, where they can find you on the internet and what of yours they should be checking out. Um, you can find me, uh, youtube.com slash prozd, P-R-O-Z-D, uh, twitter.com slash P-R-O-Z-D-K-P, um, just Google prozd, P-R-O-Z-D, you'll find me, <laughs> all my sites have that name, and I'm the only guy with that name, so, uh, that's the, you, 
I do videos and voice acting and uh, obnoxious tweets and all that kind of stuff. So you can find me. You'll see me. Just Google it. Do it. Google Prozy. Do it. And go watch some of his old videos <laughs> as well. Such excellent stuff. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Final Games. You can find us on Twitter at Final Games Show. You can also find me as well, where I talk about video games and Japan and many other types of things at Liam BME. You can find this show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, and pretty much every podcast network out there. And I hope to see you again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>